0: of e-commerce can be tricky and that's why you need the experts to help take you to the next level. This is Delivering E-commerce and this is Chris Parsons.
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of Delivering E-commerce. I'm your host Chris Parsons and I'm very excited to have two guests with me tonight, Fritz, Fritz Lowry and Terrence Fox. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here.
2: Hey, thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, absolute pleasure, Chris. Always good to bother you. Yeah, you, no bother at all. Um, let's see if I can uh, pay you back and get you heated on some subjects as well tonight. Um, so, Fritz, I'm going to get you to start. Uh, one of the things I do on my podcast is have everyone on, all my guests, uh, make sure that they tell their story. And the reason I think it's important is I want people to really understand the growth in a career and that you just don't get to where the levels you guys are at uh, overnight. And uh, there is a journey behind it. A lot of times there's good stories. So I'd love for some of that to come out, Fritz, and we'll start with you.
2: Sure. Yeah, I started my career in, uh, of all things, private uh, jet aviation. I worked for a small company uh, down in the South Shore of Boston and just sort of cut my teeth on both the sales and marketing side um, and really fell in love with the, the marketing side And kind of from there working for other small tech companies around the Boston area um, until I ultimately landed at iAdvise because I was actually evaluating them as a uh, partner and uh, loved what they were doing. Really just saw like this super future vision that was coming on about you know, engaging with customers and really like transforming digital and e commerce. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this is where I want to be. And they happened to have a job open that was like, you know, the perfect next step for me. And it just clicked. I, I left the job once I got it, like within two weeks, and I was starting right away. It was uh, a blast to kind of dive in. And yeah, I've been here now for two years. and
1: that's that's great for it there's actually uh, i've left it off of my linkedin profile but that's happened to me twice where i've been in the sales uh, side once for a company called metroland and once for a company called uh transcontinental and both times i was in the process of looking for clients and went to a a different retailer and then after instead of them buying a marketing package off me they hired me so uh it's it's interesting how that stuff happens um Terrence, um, love to get your story as well. And you know what? Yeah. I, I really appreciate your suit jacket. You dressing up for me today is notch
3: and Chris, it's like 90 in Boston. You, <laughs> you know, I'm sweating through it and you can see it on my forehead. Uh, so, um, I, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll start by saying I'm always the type of person who's uh, constantly evaluating where I am, right? I've never been comfortable. I've never really kind of, uh, you know, Chris, I can't promise that this is what I want to do tomorrow. I'm I'm constantly uh, kind of shifting my focus. Um, But uh, to kind of, I fell backwards into this role. And what I mean by that is I graduated college decades ago uh, and uh, I, I didn't know quite what I wanted to do. So I just kept doing what I like to do, which was at the time I was doing a lot of endurance racing. I had some success with that. They asked me to do some motivational speaking because of that. And I decided, you know, I really like being on my feet. I really like meeting people and building relationships on the fly. I found that exciting. Um, And actually, I got my first role ages ago because I was the only person willing to do presentations. Right. It was a company looking for uh, it was actually a vocational school asking and looking for people to. Um, uh, go to high school students and do presentations on the fly about, you know, op- uh, options besides the four-year typical degree. Um, and that's how I got started. I, I found that, uh, you know, of course, as I mentioned, that-, that sort of person-to-person engagement and relationship building was something I, I-, I enjoyed and naturally it seemed to work out. <laughs> I-, I seemed to be good at it. Uh, and then from there, I moved from uh, a small vocational school to TripAdvisor to HubSpot, and now to I advise. So a couple of big, big names in the Boston tech space. Um, and I, I love telling everyone why I, I started working at this company. Um, mostly because I think it's the frustration is something that everyone experiences as a consumer. And what I mean by that is uh, as our, our mission is to help make brands conversational. Um, the, the, issue that I see as a consumer is when you actually engage in a digital site, and I know I'm getting kind of a, the cart in front of the horse a little bit here. Um, there's a serious problem between what consumers expect and what brands are actually delivering, right? I think there's that 80 to 8%, Fritz, is that the stat? I know you probably know this one well, right? Is it 80% of CEOs believe they're giving a good experience and only 8% of customers agree?
2: Yeah, something like that.
3: Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll pick on a brand. Without giving their name, let's just say they have a swoosh as their logo, possibly. Um, and I'm a runner, right? So I, I, I landed on that brand's website looking for the best running shoe for a race I was doing, uh, and I found that the level of expertise, uh, not only that, on top of potential availability problems uh, through messaging, was incredible, right? Uh, there was there was there was really nothing being delivered by that major, tremendous brand that's got a obviously. Uh, the backing and the the experience, excuse me, the branding that you'd expect to have a wonderful experience with. So um, years and years later, I met iAdvise, uh, uh, selling something that's very much in line with who I am as a person, right? Which is that human touch, that conversation. Uh, and uh, I've been here for you now four years. Fritz and I opened the Boston office and we're a couple of cavemen around here,
1: uh, real old grizzled vets. That's great. I, I love I love your journey and how you talk about the relationship aspect. Um, my last podcast with Erica M. I think we spent an hour talking about the importance of relationships and curating them. And, and to me, relationships is all about customer service, right? A lot of times you talk about customer service as to how you help um, downstream after a customer's angry, but if you truly are building a relationship and a rapport with a customer you can avoid that that percentage that actually gets angry with with your brand because you you become proactive instead of reactive and and i think it is about building that relationship whether it's in-store online hell even going to different events and you know networking i, I told this story um about when i was with new egg and going back and forth with consumers at a boston event for video games and right you know, I, I sat on the bus for the whole day going back and forth with consumers that are typically going to the event to to have a great time and i just pretended i was one of them and mm. i learned the most um, from that one day that i have in many years of my career because i was able to build that relationship with those customers and then come back and make thoughtful recommendations on how to sell to them versus just trying to sell right so um where i wanted to go with you guys is um, this this term is still thrown around a lot in Canada, omnichannel. And I it kind of died and it seems to be making a resurgence, especially because of COVID and people saying, How are you how do you bring omnichannel to life across all of your channels? First of all, I want to get your definition of omnichannel. And I'll start with you, Terrence, on this and and then Fritz, we'll see how how much it aligns. Cause when I talk to people, it's a it's a different beast with a, each person how they interpret it.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll keep it simple because i rambled in my last uh, <coughs> chance to speak. Um, I see it as uh, all of your different touch points should feel as one single cohesive organism, right? Uh, your mobile experience, your store experience, your uh, uh, website experience, your app, all of those things should feel like one consistent uh, branding experience, right? Um, I think that uh, a lot of uh, our clients who reach out to us, they have a serious issue with a disjointed, uh, you know, I've got messaging on this side, I've got uh, proactive engagement on this side, it it doesn't feel consistent throughout. And I think that that for today's consumer is jarring a big turnoff and uh, naturally something that a lot of brands have room for improvement
1: on. Yeah, I love that answer. Fritz?
2: Yeah, I got to say that really aligns it's it's all the channels and and maybe underpinning that is also the messaging within those channels. It's if you're saying something in your own messaging and what you're saying to your consumers and that's different from what they're experiencing when they're trying to communicate back to you, that hypocrisy kind of kills any idea of a, you being truly omnichannel and truly like multi-servicing on all fronts.
1: So, how do you do that with and we talked about this on on your show Terrence, how do you do omnichannel when you have six different personas?
3: Yeah. Well, this is great, right? Uh, The idea is that ultimately you want to make sure that every type of visitor has their own unique engagement, right? I know Chris is a home hardware pro. Uh, I say that because I know that you don't know how to do anything to do it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: true. Uh, I know know how to write a check.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the idea is that Chris should have a unique experience compared to Fritz, who might be shopping for something entirely different or having a different background. Um, You know, how we at iAdvisor are doing this are by, one, making sure that we engage with uh, Fritz or Chris at rich moments, right? When they're hitting the site for the first time, perhaps, or maybe if Fritz came from a certain referral source, he gets XYZ type banner exposure. Uh, It's really about making sure that your engagement with that consumer is dynamic and then attacks them at what I'll call rich moments, right? Uh, Those moments when your consumers might be uh, silently raising their hand. Um, At a time, you know, the past 15 months, McKinsey put out a stat that 75% of consumers have changed how and where they're buying from, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Convenience, safety, trust were all very big words thrown around a lot. And some big brands are able to capitalize on this. And I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, making sure you're engaging the consumer with relevant content, right? A relevant message to what they're looking to actually accomplish on your site, uh, so uh, a loaded answer, but I do believe, you know, frankly, that uh, messaging is that medium uh, to engage. Make sure that you, one, give them a relevant uh, invitation to engage with you. Two, make sure you have the right respondent behind that technology to engage with. Um, you know, if I'm uh, on a, a home hardware to buy a, a faucet, just a faucet, that's one thing. But if you already know that I have a bathroom renovation project and it's part of a larger discussion, that's an entirely different discussion. Maybe best suited for a customer in your community or a store associate, right? right. We have a lot of really innovative options coming out these days that uh, help brands make sure that every persona gets the right engagement.
1: So your your explanations are so bang on, and what I, what I love about it is I you started, started to touch, <laughs> touch on um, I, I devise and what is. And I'd advise, to anyone that's listening, let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. Let's explain uh, who, who the company is, what you guys are trying to solve and, and um, how you connect with retailers and um, help them serve customers.
3: Yeah. Uh, and Fritz, you want
2: to go first or second? I'll take a second, man.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. Right. I'm, well, so I said, I like to, to talk and it's to a fault at times. So I want to make sure I'm not in my own way. Um, now, uh, I'll answer this question by first addressing who I am as a consumer. So you can tell it's going to be long-winded, but I'll try and make it short. Um, I'm the type of, of consumer, uh, Chris, where um, I, I don't like receiving voicemails. I don't like having to call you. A Lucille de Hart came on our live stream a few months back and said, never put the burden on the consumer. Right. right? You really don't want to put it on them to find a way to get in touch with you. And I, I find that I'm pretty similar. Uh, I laugh with my friends. The worst thing they can do is leave me a voicemail. Don't give me an errand. Just text me. That's how I want to talk, right? Uh, And that's really what we're trying to accomplish here with iAdvice, right? It's Messaging is the preferred medium. There's over 5 billion monthly active users of messaging today. Uh, But everyone has their own preference. You know, Chris, maybe you like to engage over SMS or you want to have a video discussion. Uh, It's about making sure that you have this ubiquitous all-in-one tool set to to give them the channel and medium they prefer. Uh, But then, as I mentioned before, it's about making sure you attack at the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said rich moments. I think when we see brands today that have, we'll say simplest form, chat on their website. And I say simplest form because chat, I think, is uh, not a word we like to call ourselves because it's a bit more advanced. Um, But when you have chat on the website, that's just following you around the whole site. It's ubiquitously there on every single page. I see that as the equivalent of being inside of a store and being followed around the aisles, right? And then the unfortunate pain with with a lot of these messaging experiences today is you follow them around the whole digital website or in the store, right? Giving that analogy. And then once they finally decide to engage with you, yeah, okay, I'll take you up. I'll I'll, I'll try and reach out to you. They give you a big form to fill out and then make you wait to talk to them, right? It's like handing someone a clipboard in the store and saying, yeah, here, you can fill this out and then I'll answer your questions. Right. so a uh, long-winded way again of saying that our mission is to make brands conversational. The preferred medium of consumers today is messaging. So we want to make sure that we have a tool set that gives them all of the channels mediums and then also has the intelligence to engage with them correctly.
1: So before Fritz, before you jump in there, I'm gonna to just touch on a couple of things that Terrence talked about and that whole in-store experience where you were like, you know, you go in and all of a sudden you have vultures. Come after you, yeah, and right. uh, they're, they they call that customer service, right? Because somebody at some point told them to make sure that you make eye contact with the customer and that you you say hello. But you've just walked into the store. You you know, you want to take that time, do a little. You know, Canadians have a word for everything. We want to browse the store mm-hmm. and uh, we want to be able to walk around. But one of the best experiences I've had with Future Shop was they actually taught us, you know, a way to approach a customer is basically go up to them and say you know welcome to whatever store so in my case it would be future shop at the time and uh, my name is chris parsons i'm here to support you if you need any support but while you go and browse because that's what they came in for while you go and browse i'm just going to be over here and i'll keep making eye contact with you when you're comfortable if you need my support yeah. you, you let me know and versus hey how can i help you today right sure. like as soon as you approach somebody like that i want to leave the store i want to back out and i want just to get out of there. And then the second piece you make me laugh because in the voicemail is I've actually might have probably have 50 messages on my phone. Yeah. Uh, It is, it is labor intensive to go through there, write down your phone number when you can just text me. Right. I can get right back to you. Like,
3: especially what is a voicemail last 24 hours before you're like, I'm not interested. It's already old news. I can't get to that. (laughs) You know? Yeah.
1: I, I I have, Thankfully, now they've actually connected my phone to my computer. So the voicemail comes into my email box and makes it much easier to get to. But I was the worst at responding to voicemails. I think after 30 days, I just hit delete to 50 of them because if they weren't calling back, then it wasn't, wasn't that important. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Fritz, same question to you. Tell me about what you define i to be
2: yeah I think Terence really hit the nail on the head as far as what we're delivering as like a high level value and how we're helping support the digital transformation. I love to go a little more of a literal uh, literal route particularly when it comes to one of our like key differentiating services it's uh it's really that that end delivery that he was talking about of the right respond at the right time is one is our ebu platform so it's I love painting as just you know you're shopping online. And you're at Samsung.com, you're trying to figure out, you know, do I buy this thousand dollar phone or this twelve hundred dollar phone? You have no idea what you're going to do, um, you know, rather than a terrible like chatbot popping up, having terrible questions or sometimes customer services there. But they're really incentivized maybe on like different KPIs NPS. P.S., um, what we do is we we source, curate, scale, and manage these communities of brand-sanctioned experts. So when you're on Samsung and you're shopping, our AI detects that you're ready for that, you know, that real personalized engagement, say, hey, Mm-hmm. Would you like to chat with a Samsung phone expert and you're you're at that moment, you're at that purchase decision and yeah, yeah, I would like to chat with them and now you're talking with someone just like you, a customer working from home, gig economy style who just really loves Samsung and they know everything about Samsung because they're passionate about it and they want to share that stuff with you so they give that really honest and dynamic advice and the human side of things that just you can't replicate anyway else unless you just have a human who really knows and loves their stuff. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's really what iAdvise is doing. We're, we're saying we're helping digital transformation. We're helping bring, like making brands conversational. You know, yeah, we're using our chatbots, we're using AI, we're elevating FAQ, we're doing automations, we're bringing like internal teams together and like, like unsiloing some of this stuff. But uh, we're ultimately providing this next level of experience, this, this next level of engagement that just no one else really is and no one else kind of like has a solution for on this, uh, this type of engagement. That, that 80% split that, uh, that Terrence was referencing, that uh, I think that was a Bain stat from 2017. Right. That's, that's how you bridge that CX gap is really by taking this next level of engagement when it comes to digital CX.
1: Yeah. You guys are providing the tools, but uh, it's really up to a retailer to make sure that that product knowledge is there, right? Like you can't. So one of the most frustrating things in in my shopping experience is when, do you familiar with the term spiff? Um, So a lot of products will have a spiff on it for a commission salesperson. So now all of a sudden I'm no longer offering you the Samsung because I'm getting a spiff on product X Mm. and as a sales associate, because I want to fill my bank account, this product is way better than the other product. And right. that is the worst customer service, right? And I'm all for commission. Commission's great. Entice me, make me motivated to get out there and sell even more. And I'll do that. But layering on that spiff was the worst thing that ever happened to retail because now it's about not selling what's right for the consumer. If they came in for a spitzer product and you're now, you could have a chance to sell that customer, the opening price point one and they'll be just as happy You're sitting there going to the one that's got a spiff on it to make an extra couple of bucks. And and that's where customer service falls flat. Because then you get returns, you get just an unsatisfied customer later on when they feel that they were taken advantage of. Um, So, you know, I I think the tools that you guys are providing is fantastic. But a retailer needs to put some guidelines and uh, guardrails in place to protect the customer to make sure that, you know, that retailers, their customers are using those tools correctly.
3: Absolutely. I think that the one thing that I'll add to what Fritz stated is, uh, uh, yes, our USP is uh, leveraging store associates, leveraging contact center agents, leveraging bots, uh, and leveraging passionate customers all in one responded ecosystem with that intelligent tech that I mentioned before. Um, But what I think is great too, is that, you know, think of your own buying pattern, right? And buying behavior. If you're about to buy something that's expensive, or maybe you need some reassurance, you're likely to read reviews, check and get reassurance from your friends or family who might have it. Uh, instead we're bringing that actual authenticity and expertise online to these passionate customers that yes like to your point Chris, do have guardrails in place to make sure that they're not uh, you know just slinging a certain product because it's better for them to do so uh, that, that is something of course that we're very mindful of and, and ensure
1: great and when when you guys go in and you implement your technology with a, with a retailer, um, first thing I'm going to ask is about return on investment, reporting, yep. analytics, making sure that everything is measurable, because um, if it's not, then, then how do I prove the, the story to my leadership and why I want to make this investment? So yep. tell me about not only the technology that you have to support and engage with consumers and help the, the store level associates do the same thing or my online virtual associates doing um, that engagement, but how do I measure success?
3: Yeah, of course. I mean, at the simplest form, right, it, it comes down to conversion and AOV lift. That's what we look at Intensifying in the tool. We have order confirmation tagging and things like that. So we can actually see this affected your immediate revenue and this is what it did. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the people that chatted to, to drive X, Y, Z sales. We also, of course, will watch customer lifetime value. So if Chris comes to the site, has a great experience, does he come back? Right. Yes or no. We watch that for the following three months from that. Uh, transaction. But really, uh, you know, frankly, what we're trying to do with our brands today is make it far more than conversion. Yes, we're going to show and build out. This is the incremental lift in a partnership with I advise. But the other thing is we want to change your experience. We want to make your brand, uh, your brand retailer, uh, have it become the destination for expertise, coaching, guidance. Uh, if I know that I can go to nike.com and be connected to a D1 runner, who's going to help me run that 5k. Or, as a comparison, just to a contact center agent who's reading product specs, those are two different experiences, right? Right. Uh, And and really, we want to make sure that all of our companies transform their buying experience because the the buyer has changed, right? I think that's uh, something you wanted to talk to about at at a certain point, Chris, but the buyers have changed quite a bit. And we need to make sure that our digital experiences, those first touch points often have what that consumer is looking for.
1: Rich, anything to add there?
2: No, that's the... uh... Kind of the breadth of what we're yeah. pitching and what we're providing real straightforward.
1: so when, when i when I also think about the the analytics and reporting, you touch on lifetime value, <clears throat> clearly, if lifetime value is going up, typically your frequency of purchase is going up, consumers mm-hmm. are visiting more. Um, are you working with the retailers to put in you know whether? So let's say a customer is now buying online, picking up in store. So they're, they're now making more engagements with the digital property. Mm-hmm. All stores are always worked about can, worried about cannibalization and what it's, how it's impacting the store. Are you looking and working with retailers to put in bounce-back strategies? So they may have bought that purchase originally online. They get in the store. They pick it up. Now you're giving them some kind of incentive to come back to the store 30 days later. Forget the online channel, but you're trying to get that footstep back in the store as well.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, we've been very creative with that. I think that uh, I was talking to the CMO of New Balance, Chris Davis, the other day, uh, the other month. So not that recent. And he was talking about how brick and mortar has obviously evolved. Right. He's got a bunch of store associates that uh, he wanted to put online. You know, uh, foot traffic was down. This was maybe February. So uh, things were still kind of shaky with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And his thought was, you know, listen, they, they have impact in store. I need to make sure that I connect my stores with the digital experience. Um, in terms of uh, uh, bounce back and things like that, yes, we can get creative in terms of how we decide to track, incentivize, or, or coach our uh, respondents to driving the best customer experience because that's really what we're focused on. Uh, what's ultimately going to create an experience matching what the consumer is doing, right? I think part of what you said before about having the right engagement for the right persona, uh, the unfortunate, fortunate thing, well, I, I won't, it's not unfortunate or fortunate. I'm going to say something different. Uh, mobile, uh, Chris has grown. I saw a stat and I'm going to reference to get the exact number for you. Uh, mobile has grown from, uh, three hit 314 billion in 2020, which is 200 billion more than four years earlier, right? So more than ever before, people are on their phones engaging on mobile, right? And very likely that's the first touch point. Um, so I know I'm reiterating a lot of my same points, but, uh, uh, the, the store and the, the digital experiences, we, we have to
1: connect them and we have to make sure that they, again, as I said earlier, also feel seamless. Yeah. And, and great point about mobile. I mean, I think every retailer is now seeing it, well, 50% or, or more of their traffic now versus the desktop. I think mm-hmm. the the experience that you guys are offering will help mobile convert better because mobile is still not a strong converting uh, channel. It's right. typically a lower basket size or less conversion versus a desktop where you know, you've maybe done all your browsing, and your research on your mobile devor- device or, or tablet, and then you go ultimately back to your desktop to convert. Hmm. Um, so how do we make it um, with your technology? I think your technology specifically can help people have that confidence um, right. through those other devices to convert. So that's exciting. Let's, let's let's move a little bit away from your company persona and talk a bit about just the overall industry. Over the last five years, what would you say the biggest change in customer expectations has been? Fritz,
3: I'll let you go first.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, it's it's authenticity, humanization, uh, and caring. It's we Customers want to know that the companies that they're buying from are ones that they want to care about. Um, I think they become incredibly sensitive to a single mistake. Maybe it's a little in line with cancel culture, but if a customer is unhappy for the one single thing, they'll bounce. Like brand loyalty is incredibly tough at this point. Mm-hmm. Um. So making sure that you're not just reactive to things, but now proactive on both the customer experience and the customer satisfaction side really has become like a mainstay um, over the last few years.
1: Yeah. And Terrence, I'll, I'll add a layer onto that for you um, is. So I asked over the last, you know, number of years, but I want to zone in on the last COVID year. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think the, the biggest customer expectation change has been and, and how are they evolving uh, as a shopper?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, like Fritz said, loyalty is out the window, right? So often your first touch point uh, has to be perfect, right? Yeah, you, you have to get a, get a great first impression. Um, I'm also keeping a close eye, things that I like. So I already talked about mobile, but that one excites me because uh, I look at my wife. She does most of her shopping from our couch. Whereas in the past, that wasn't the case. You know, she was going to the store, she was in store, whatever. Uh, even our groceries. We don't even go grocery shopping anymore. Chris, I don't know if you do that. Uh, we just sit in the car, someone puts it in our car and we leave, you know? Um, so I think that uh, what I'm excited to see more of is how brands and retailers uh, capitalize on BOPUS and Bopac, right? You know, are there other opportunities to create an experience in that sort of pickup, that small little blip of time we have with the consumer when we're either putting the stuff in their cart or they're meeting us curbside? Um, I always, uh, love talking about, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods when the mm-hmm. pandemic hit in the U S they had an actual post-it note on the door. That was the first thing for BOPUS, right. And it was call this number when you get here. I think it was, uh, which, you know, speaks to how quickly some brands and retailers have been able to change and pivot. Uh, so, uh, Bopas, Bopac mobile, I always think is, uh, uh so exciting. And then you know, naturally too, like Fritz said, um, those that are focused on creating an experience and can, you know, uh, uh, ensure that their first touch point with a new visitor is what that visitor is looking for, which is obviously the mysteries question, right? How do we, I don't even know anything about Chris yet, but how do I give him an experience that resonates with him as a first time visitor? I think brands that are able to kind of unlock and improve in constant iterations on that are going to be successful in the years to come.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when you talk about the grocery industry and that whole experience, I will say in, at least from my experience, I don't do it anymore i don't i, I go into the store because mm. it's such a poor customer experience with it and I'll, t- I'll give you two examples so one time we had a grocery list of 20 items and while i put those 20 items into the cart did the checkout got there and about six i'm not exaggerating six six to seven were missing from my basket they said they were not uh not available and i can tell you that that person that was picking my items was so lazy but they just didn't want to go and find those items mm. because I then got out of my car, went into the store, found the seven items. Cause I, they weren't anything magical, Yeah, you know, a case of Coke and, and some, just some ham and whatever I wanted. And then I went over to the customer pickup area. I showed them the seven items that I just purchased at the cash and said, this is why, you know, your business is, is looking for change. Consumers are looking for convenience and you've made it so not convenient for me, um, that I I don't trust the service anymore. And then they tried buying me with a $50 gift card. I took the $50 gift card. Of course I did, (laughs) Yeah. but it did not buy me back as someone that's going to shop and trust that model anymore. Um, and then I went to a different grocer and said, okay, let me do this experience again. I'm in e-commerce. I want to test and learn anyways. And all my produce was already like, it was the pick through produce. I'm like, Mm -hmm. why, if I wouldn't buy this. I wouldn't even put this in my bag if it was the last set of grapes that was there and everything was bruised. So I think if if grocers want to get this right, it's making sure that they're shopping as if I'm shopping right. and, and not just doing the bare minimum. Because if they do the bare minimum, it's not going to last for them. You got to care about the consumer, right? Got to care. That customer expectation, I think, is there. That it's you—you you are representing me when you're picking that stuff off a shelf. So, yeah, and I think from a COVID perspective, um, where I see this this group of customer service expectations is, man, do they want it now? Like, there's zero empathy left in the market. Like, they still like two day shipping? No, no, it's I want it next day. And hmm. those expectations of just even with COVID it doesn't matter that every logistics place in North America has been hit. Um, Consumers are, are lacking that empathy. It's like, well, I mean, look at when COVID started. I don't know if you guys had the same run on toilet paper that that we did, but they, there was nobody caring about their neighbors, right? It wasn't like, I'll take what I'll need. Let me take what I can get and sell the rest on eBay.
3: I know what an incredible way of like uh, revealing the type of humans we all are. Huh? Wow.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When you had to put limits at store level on what people can take from a consumable perspective, it was really eye opening of the culture that is kind of existing right now. And hopefully, we can get um, we can get some real thought leaders to to change that so people are a little bit more caring about their neighbors. Um, let's see here. So back to I, I really want to dive into. You guys said you launched a new um, piece of technology recently, and uh, I want you to share that with the audience because that's exciting.
3: Yeah, yeah. So. Um... Uh, we had Kate Leggett, a Forrester, uh, speak about this a few weeks ago as well. So we've got an interview online and Kate kind of dives into it. So, I'll, of course, we'll share that if needed. But it's called our Conversational Maturity Index. And what it is essentially is it helps brands and retailers uh, get an understanding of where they are today, their status quo, against what consumers expect from them with messaging. Uh, it has six key pillars expertise and authenticity, omni channel, scalability. Uh, And then actually it it runs through how that content is delivered uh, to the consumer. Um, So uh, it's uh, uh, obviously unbiased. It's a hell of a tool, right? Because it really kind of outlines the crawl, walk, run for, all right, you know, this is where I am today. What can I do quickly to prioritize how I, you know, uh, engage with today's consumer? Uh, What can I do with my existing resources to make sure that, all right, if, if, Maybe I don't have the contact center agents that I'm looking to have, and I, I can't hire. What can I do with AI to ensure that I am driving self-service and automation while I'm down people? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's been extremely helpful for our clients. We launched it in January. Uh, and clients and and people that aren't working with us, right? Uh, it's it's just that guide to where you are and where you need to be to match today's consumer. Fritz, anything to add on that? I'm sorry.
2: No, it's, uh, I mean, it, I think it's a pretty revolutionary piece of methodology. I, I don't know. I, again, the bias, we, we built it up on our own, but uh, I, there's nothing else out there like this that's actually looking at conversational from an analytical standpoint. Um, there's things that are looking at like traditional CSAT and customer service metrics, but nothing understanding like this next level of, of customer engagement and how to actually look at that and judge it. Uh, by some sort of standard so super excited for this to be out and keep spreading it around i'm hoping more people pick it up over the next six months or so
1: so how do how do folks they're listening to this now for about 35 minutes how do they get a hold of you guys
2: yeah i uh i
3: put the link in our private chat oh. I that's not going anywhere but uh, uh that is the link of course iadvise.com dot ecom And then if you've got uh, your free time and want to type in a longer URL, conversationalmaturityindex.com will bring you up to uh, the page. that reveals the six key pillars. And again, just to uh, get greater detail on it, the pillars that we measure brands against are expertise, empathy, and authenticity in the engagement, whether the engagement is truly personalized, rich and user-friendly messaging, omni-channel and seamlessness. And the last one is business drive. And what business drive is essentially that The heart of the business, are you investing into messaging? Is this something that you're able to uh, accomplish with your existing resources? Uh, All sorts of things. But uh, yes, those links, it's obviously free. Again, uh, we had Kate Leggett from Forrester come on and talk about it uh, two, three weeks ago,
1: and uh, it's been very impactful. Great. I'll make sure I put a link in the comment section when I post this so everyone has an easy way to get a hold of it. Fritz, how can people connect with you?
2: Yeah. Uh, online on LinkedIn, I'm always available. Definitely kind of a, a social media maven. So um, yeah, social Fritz Lauer. Media
1: maven. Wow. It's,
2: I, I got an easy name, Fritz Lauer. I pretty much am at the top of the list anytime you Google that.
1: Yeah, Fritz is so. my social media coach. So yeah. who more than I am? It's funny. I, I, I love to have a unique name, but Chris Parsons is pretty common. And uh, you know when, I, I laugh at this story, which was one of my first roles was selling pneumatics, um, cylinders, compressors valves for a, a company called festo and uh, we i would work on roller coasters and pharmaceutical pick and place systems and with uh with the name of chris parsons when i applied they did a background check once they want me to offer me the job well apparently chris parsons was a red flag because this guy had um, uh, committed some crimes so they were like well, we're not going to move forward with you and I'm like, no, 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 this is, there's a mistake. There's got to be something going on. It's a different Chris Parsons. But ultimately, I, I guess um, I have got an evil twin out there somewhere. And uh, <laughs> he, he stopped me for months from getting a job. But then they ultimately ended up hiring me once we got it all sorted out. And uh, so I would appreciate a unique name. Speaking of unique names, Terrence Fox. Um,
3: uh, is, but isn't. Right, I think uh, there's Terry Stanley Fox up in Canada. I think I made that. Uh, I shared that story with you about how you shared people... it with me, but you never shared it with my audience. I, I, yeah. I, I... So the the short answer, a short response to this is, uh, I had a bunch of friends. I was being a runner in college and high school. Uh, a friend of mine created a running team for a relay in Northern Vermont, so right on the border of Canada, and he made his team name just to pick on me. Uh, I hate Terrence Fox, and. Uh, being on Northern Vermont, right on the Canadian border, they had no idea. But of course, Terry Fox is a Canadian hero. Um, so there were a lot of people that approached them and were really uh, reaming into them about how distasteful, naturally, right, if they had yeah. an idea. Uh, so it came as a big shock for them. Uh, but a uh, learning lesson nonetheless.
1: Yes. Oh, great story. There, great story. There was at least one other of me. Very similar great and you know one of the things i uh really appreciate about your company is is the stats and the data and the measurements of of your tools you know you you talked about the digital interactions with your customers you know in some cases are up over you know 40 percent and you know i think anyone that's going to reach out to you is going to love to see stuff like that we're all looking for ways to convert build those baskets and you've got all kinds of case studies that talk about the the metrics and um I just really appreciate the time, you know, we, we've connected over the last month. Uh, I think the, the world of what you guys are doing and how innovative uh, your group is. And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing from a personal uh, standpoint, um, our journey, because I I know it's just beginning and uh, I appreciate you guys being part of my podcast tonight.
3: Yeah, Chris, uh, our pleasure, right? Uh, It's been fun watching your podcast grow. I I saw, and obviously my colleague Ben notified me about your show uh, three months ago. Uh, I've already picked on you about having some celebrities on there, so you've made Fritz and I feel real special by bringing
1: us <laughs> on. Uh, you guys are my celebrities.
3: Yeah, this is this is fun to watch. Uh, so you know, naturally, there's a lot of synergy between what you're doing here with your podcast and our live stream segment. So thank you for joining that. Uh, but no, it's always a pleasure.
1: Great, great. Well, yeah. hopefully, a lot of folks will reach out to you, Fritz. Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, let's just say yeah. Thanks for having us
1: no it's a it's my pleasure i uh, appreciate it you guys have a great night enjoy your families and uh, we'll catch up soon yep thank well, you Thanks so much supposed to get better at saying something like like sub- subscribe follow all <laughs> of that uh, youtube stuff so um i'll throw that in there for anyone that uh, that needs that like subscribe follow whatever yeah. those those things are but uh hopefully everyone just enjoyed the content and uh we'll uh, we'll catch you on uh, next week's
0: episode You've been listening to Delivering E-Commerce. It's our passion to have on leaders and suppliers in e-commerce from around the globe, setting you and your strategy up for the next level. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. Connect with Chris on LinkedIn at Chris Parsons. On LinkedIn and Spotify at Delivering E-Commerce. Or on YouTube at Chris Parsons Delivering E-Commerce. Till next time, this is Delivering E-Commerce.